0: I want you to open your Bible tonight as we teach uh, this evening. What we're going to do this evening, I think it's very healthy for us. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. we We're gonna Actually, I'm going to focus in on verses 8 through 11. I'll go ahead and read from verse 1. Uh, give, I'll give you a second to get there. All of this will be on the screen, I trust. So tonight, let me just say this to you as we start. Uh, there's no strong church without being strong in the Word of God. It's just the way it is. I can tell you. You can, be, you can be strong in other areas and maybe do all right. But unless you're unless strong in the Word of God, we're not strong as a church. And I'm reminded of what John said. He said, young men are strong because the Word of God dwells in you. So I want to, I want to take a moment and just look at this right here, if you would, just by way of introduction. This is what we've covered so far in 1 Corinthians. If you look on the screen here, we're, we're in the 26th message. And I've actually, if you didn't notice, I skipped chapter 11. And what I did is I actually took a break. And when I came back, I just really felt drawn toward 12, 13, 14, the, the gift passages. I will go back and get to chapter 11. It's very important. But if you look at this, where we've covered here in these chapters, we talked, we opened, and we talked about, you know, Paul's remembering, uh, reminder to the wayward church, Paul's word to the wayward church. As we just move through these passages of scripture here you know the first part of that is really introduction the first 17 verses or so and then we i preached a message called the dividing line of the cross how many know the cross divides everything you're either one side or the other you're on this side you're on on the salvation side of the cross or the lost side of the cross one or the other and we dealt with that paul said he said it i glory and save nothing but christ and the cross in in galatians and here it's the power of god to salvation only Jesus can save you. And, and, so, and then I dealt with called to glorify God. You know, He that glories, let him glory in the Lord. I talked to a number of messages on the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is right here. We have God's wisdom. It's the greatest wisdom known to man. Why would we substitute it for, for self-help or human philosophy? And if you're not careful, churches do this stuff. They get into this, and it's sometimes it's very subtle, but this is the wisdom of God. Nothing greater, nothing better. And then we went into talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in revealing the wisdom of God. Came to chapter three: the crisis of carnality. Uh, once again, the dangers of worldly wisdom. Faithful stewards. Uh, the problem of pride. You know, I think that's still the greatest problem in the churches today, in each of our lives. Pride is a huge problem. Most of the time, when there's issues, you can trace it right back to pride and self-centeredness. Uh, the way of the Father dealt with that. God's holiness and church discipline, uh, that's an important issue. I, I made a statement in that message. Unless a church practices church discipline, it is not a New Testament church. Many people go on in their lives, and they're just immature, and they're never confronted with anything. And, and we're, It's a hard thing to do. But we talked about church discipline there. We talked about believers in lawsuits. If you've ever been sued by another believer, you want them to say, I'm remind you of that verse right there, you know, that chapter. Talked about the believer's body. You know, God has a plan for our bodies. God has a plan for our bodies. And then marriage in the kingdom of God, marriage in singleness. We talked about the Lord's direction in gray areas, supporting the ministry. You know, God wants you to support the ministry. That was there in chapter, chapter 9. The character of a committed Christian, running to win, remember that? Running to win—I'm sure you remember all of it, right? Every word of the sermon—I know you did. But just you know, then we get in chapter ten: lessons from the past, four questions about temptation, the potential dangers surrounding spiritual gifts. A few weeks ago, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit last week, and and so these are this is a table of contents of the messages that we've covered. And these messages can make us strong, can't they? Make us strong. And so, just wanted to remind you of those messages. Those are available online. You can go back to those. We're just going verse by verse and, and chapter by chapter. And really uh, paragraph by paragraph of how it was given right to us. I want to talk again tonight about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I, what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about classifications and definitions. And so what I want to do this evening, you know, we've preached two messages already, kind of, kind of preparing us for what the Lord says about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But tonight we're going to kind of go... We're going to get very specific in these. And what I want to do, I'm only going to be uh, be able to deal with three of these gifts. And there's many more gifts. There's Ephesians 4 gifts. There's Romans 12 gifts. We've kind of briefly kind of just mentioned those. But what I want to do is I want to take these three gifts. What I want to do is give a definition, a clear definition. And then I want to show you in the Word of God where these gifts operated that's a that's an incredible way to say oh yeah that's what that oh that was a word of wisdom yeah oh that was a word of knowledge oh that's what paul did that was discerning of spirits and when you see it you know the bible is the greatest commentary there is the bible will interpret the bible i mean if you I, you know i've got thousands of books literally thousands of books but but this book is really the ma- this is the main one this is really if i didn't have all those others and just had this it's all good cuz this book will interpret this the, the word uh, will interpret the word. So watch the screen here. Look at this, First Corinthians 12. And we just go back to verse 1 and go down. And now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul wants us to be informed about this. He doesn't want us to be uninformed. He wants us to be well taught as it has to do with spiritual gifts. He says, you know that you were Gentiles. That means they were lost, carried away with these dumb idols, however you led. Now listen, the spirit of the world will carry you a different way. The Spirit of God will always carry you a certain way. The Spirit of the world will always carry you a certain way. The Spirit of God will always carry you a very specific certain way. The Spirit of the world will carry you into compromise, into sin, into worldliness, but the Spirit of God will always carry you to Jesus. It will always take you to the cross, it will always take you to the Word of God. And it says this, now notice in verse 3 Therefore I make it known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit very specific here, verse 4. He's just here in the next two, several verses he's going to talk about that the same spirit and you'll see that over and again, same Holy Spirit doing all of this, he's the core of it all. He said there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There's diversities of activities, but the same God. You see that there? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Trinity. Who works all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of one or two, or just a little group over there. No, when the Spirit of God generally moves, the whole family gets blessed. Come on. The whole family gets blessed because the church is a family. You know, there was a day. There was no classrooms out here. There was a day, and some of you may remember that. There was a day that you just went to church. Everybody went to church together. Kids, you shoved them under the pews, you know, or the chairs, you know, and they fell asleep. But that was the way it was. And I can tell you something. There was something to say for that. There There was mentoring that went on there. Because little little jimmy that was in sunday school sunday morning he saw a sunday school teacher over there worshiping god he was getting he was getting another teaching there look at my sunday school teacher seeking god oh look at mom and dad praying in the holy spirit oh wow yeah we go down and we kneel at church you know we don't have we will in our another building we'll have some prayer benches but our altar benches prayer altars but um that's what they used to call them benches but whatever uh but the thing is, those little kids would see all that. And, and it was just impacted them. There's something to be said about that. I know a pastor friend of mine that once a month, the whole church worship together. You know, sometimes a kid's 12 years old before he gets to come in church. Isn't that amazing? Youth group here and children's church are there, and they're, ne- they're never in church. They never get to hear the pastor speak a message. Isn't that sad how some churches are? So being in a small space temporarily like this is not a bad thing. Okay, we're mentoring, you know. I, Monday, after the, we had a wonderful kids crusade. Thank you, Michael and Keith. And just a great kids crusade. And every night at altar time, I love the altar time. It was just fantastic. You know what I did Monday, for the Keith? Monday, my, kid, my grandkids spent the night with me. And Monday morning, I had a prayer meeting. Everybody left. It was just me and Stratton in Boston. I said, hey, boys, let's have a prayer meeting. So we start kneeling down there. We laid hands on Boston again. And, and then Stratton said, Granddaddy, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Mentoring. Notice this. For the profit of all. When the Spirit of God is moving, God builds the church. He's blessing. He's moving. Now now look at verse 8 through 11. It says, For to one... Is given the word of wisdom. Literally, it's the revelation of wisdom. It's a manifestation of wisdom. Through what? Through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit. Through another, what? Word of knowledge. Through the same Spirit. to another faith. By the same Spirit. Are you seeing this over and over again? Same Spirit. Same Spirit. Same Spirit. Holy Spirit is doing this. Can I tell you this? When the Holy Spirit moves, it's beautiful. Anything the Holy Spirit, if it's really Him. Now, He gets blamed for a lot of stuff He doesn't have any part of. But when the Holy Spirit moves, it's always beautiful. It always meets a need. It's always glorious. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Another faith. What? By the same spirit to another gifts of healing. Say it again. By the same spirit to another, what? Discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues or a missile, to another working of mirrors, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one, everybody say one, but to one and the same spirit works all things in all. Do you see the emphasis here? What we do is we focus on oh, this gift, that gift. We focus, but really, the, the message is the unity of what the, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the whole body. What was the issue with Corinth? Our, our series title is Paul's, uh, uh, the Corinthian crisis. And the crisis was, the, if, you know, you, just go back a second. You realize God was really working in this church. You know, they, they didn't come behind in any gift. I mean, the gifts were just proliferated there. I mean, there's gifts flowing everywhere. But yet, there was some serious issues of division in this church. You know, one group would say, I'm the Paul group. I'm the Paul, I'm the, you know, I'm Cephas group. I'm, I'm the Barnabas group. I'm the Apollos group division they were immature they were carnal and then in chapter 10 paul comes back and he says listen i'm real concerned i need to pull out of the old testament i need to tell you about idolatry i need to tell you about fornication and immorality i need you i need you to do because because listen there's some serious problems going on here that could damage you for all of eternity and then he comes and says talks about temptation so now he's moving into the gifts and i mean they had so many problems it's crazy They even had problems with the gifts. And now Paul says, why is there division among you? There's only one spirit. And he deals with these gifts. Now, we've learned several things in in the last few weeks here. And they're almost like parameters. They're almost like safe rules and parameters around the gifts and around the church. that says, this is what the gifts are all about. One, he said, I want you to earnestly desire the gifts. But But if you read the underlying... If you know, as you come to chapter 13, he talks about the motive behind it all. We need to desire the gifts, but we really, more than just the gifts, the the motive behind the gifts is I want to be used by God. I want to be a blessing to the church. I want to be, I want to bring glory to God. And listen, when the Holy Spirit is on someone, they're going to be a blessing. There's just no doubt about it. We 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 need to desire the best gifts. Now, some have misinterpreted that. What is that? What is that safe rule? I need to desire the best gift. I think the best gift is simply what is the most needed gift at that moment? I mean, if somebody's sick in body, they don't need a word of wisdom. They know there's a word of knowledge. They know they're sick. You say, well, you're sick. Well, I don't, yeah, you don't have to tell me that. Yeah, I'm sick. I don't need a word of knowledge. What I need is a gift of healings. So, you know, if I'm going to do a job and I need a crescent wrench, I don't go look for a screwdriver. I need the best tools to get the job done. What we need to do is pray, Lord, you've got a job to do here. You've got people to minister to. There's lost people. There's bound people. Lord, we need the best gift. We need the gift that's going to bring the result that you want in redemption and eternity. And then these gifts, we remind you of this. These gifts are not natural talents. These are supernatural gifts. These are, are supernatural manifestations. These are supernatural abilities that God gives someone that they would not have on their own. And then I would just say this to you, reminding you that the, gift, the gifts of the Spirit don't mean a person is more spiritual than other believers. In fact, if someone's promoting themselves somehow as superior because they've been used in a gift, they're actually, le- they're actually the opposite of superior. And I want to remind you of this, just quickly, that these gifts are grace gifts, just like you're saved by grace through faith, these gifts come by grace through faith. You don't merit the Oh, I'm using this gift. Oh, I must be really holy. No, sometimes, sometimes people can be not so holy and yet the gifts be moving in a person's life because these are grace gifts. Now think about this. Think about this. We, we measure everything, how? By the Word of God. Why? Because spirituality is not measured by the gifts of the Spirit. The spirituality is measured by the Word of God and the character of God. You hear that? Can I say that again? We don't measure maturity by the gifts of the Spirit. We measure, the, we measure, we measure spiritual maturity by the character of God and by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because anyone can be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these gifts are, once again, verse 7, for the common good. For the common good. These, when these gifts are moving properly, they bring spiritual good to the body. They don't bring confusion. They bless. They don't hinder. They advance the cause of Christ. They don't hinder the cause of Christ. They're for good. They're for the common good. Now, quickly, these gifts fall. These gifts that we've given you, read to you here in this chapter, they fall into three categories. Three categories. These are easy to remember. There are revelation gifts. There's inspiration gifts. And there are power gifts. Let me say that again. These gifts here, particularly these gifts, fall into three categories. Revelation, inspiration, and power. Now think about this. The revelation gifts reveal something. The inspiration gifts say something. The power gifts do something. Now let that settle in on you. That's how these gifts fall. The revelation gifts reveal something. The inspiration gifts, God says something through them. And the power gifts, do something. When God, does, I mean, when, God, when God gives a miracle like a parting of Red Sea, you know it's God. I mean, Moses would have still been standing there with his stick if God had been in the stick. Not you, it's God. Now think about this. The Lord wants to reveal something. He wants to say something. He wants to do something by the Holy Spirit through his church. He wants to, what, as Ephesians says, he wants to mani- reveal the manifold wisdom of God, the many-faceted wisdom of God's power, God's character, God's life. How's he going to do that? Through Holy Spirit-filled churches. So let's look at three of the gifts. The, the first category is revelation gifts. These are mind gifts. The first one is the word of wisdom. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the manifestation of wisdom. It's the revelation. It's the Uh, revelation of wisdom. It's it's wisdom that comes into the heart of a person by the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to look at these and look at at several different ones. I'm hoping we'll get through with these three. We may not even get through with these three. If we don't, that's all right. You remember that Solomon, what did he pray for? He prayed for wisdom. His dad had gone off the scene. David had been an amazing king. I mean, David had been so amazing that That Jesus is called the son of David. David's line. But we know that David was a man whose hands were full of blood. I mean, David would take you out quick. I mean, that guy knew how to fight. I mean, if you're in a gang fight, you want him on your side. And so he had this heart. He he had this heart to build something for God. He wanted to build this temple for God. David was a a worshiper, he loved God. many, Many of the songs. Not all the Psalms, but, but many of the Psalms were inspired by the sweet psalmist of Israel. And the Lord said to, to, you know, he said, Lord, I want to build this house. And the Lord said, no, no, I don't want someone that I'm just being violent and so much blood to be a part of, you know, to build that. I don't want that to be a part of that. But, I, but what I'm going to do, what I want you to do is I want you to help your son Solomon to do it. So David literally probably raised billions of dollars in today's economy. It's amazing. You read Chronicles 29, and he's just praising God, and he said, Lord, I'm giving this to you, but Lord, and I love this, I love this, because we always think we're owners. We don't own a thing. Everything that we're giving to God, basically, we're giving back to him what he's given to us. Oh, I'm giving to God, but you're just giving back what he gave you. And that's what David says in Chronicles 29. He said, Lord, I'm giving this to you, but I'm really just giving back to you what you gave to me. And he gathered the money to help Solomon build. And Solomon comes along. And he feels overwhelmed with the lead to lead as the king of the great people of God. And so he has this dream. And in the dream, you know, you can ask anything that you want. Boy, just think about that. If the Lord asks you right now, you can have anything you want. Just ask me. You better be careful with that. You know, Solomon didn't ask for riches. Didn't ask that his enemies be slain. He said, Lord, I, want, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. to lead. The, just give me wisdom. I want to lead your people right. Shouldn't everyone in the church feel that way about their ministry? Not haphazardly, but Lord, this is for you. Give me wisdom how to do this, the very best. And the Lord was pleased with that. He didn't ask amiss, like 4 2 of James. He asked a prayer that pleased God. And God said, Because you ask for wisdom, I'm not only going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you great wisdom. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you fame. And if you study and look at the, what God did under, under Solomon, the, the, the pebbles on the ground, the, the, sil- the, the silver there the, were like pebbles on the ground. There was so much wealth. And we have a story in 1, 1 Kings 3.16-28. And I, I, won't, I won't read it. It's a lot to read. I, I'm going to just paraphrase it. But Solomon's on his throne early in his reign. And these, this lady, these two harlots actually, they had had children. And in the nighttime, one of the ladies rolled over and one of the children, smothered the child, and killed the child. The child died. It was her child. She, she, there was a lady there also with a, a newborn child. She switched the baby before the other mother woke up and put the dead baby with, with her. And when she woke up in the morning, here was the dead child. But she, the, the closer she looked, she realized, this is not my child. That's my child. And the other lady, you know, no, that's my child. You know, you know, the baby couldn't say anything. And so they come before the king. And I, I don't know how it was. I wasn't there. I, was, I don't know what happened in, in Solomon's heart. But it could have happened like this that Solomon is there, and he's watching this, and he's hearing these ladies. This one lady says, that lady, my baby, the, her baby died, and she switched it. That's my child. She has my child, you know, back and forth. And we have the conversation. And then Solomon's listening to both of these ladies. One of the ladies said, no, this is my child. He said, and maybe he was there, and maybe he prayed a secret prayer in his heart and said, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me a word of wisdom. Show me what to do, Lord. See, what the word of wisdom is this. A word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation, an insight into the Lord's divine mind, His will, and His purpose. It's, the Lord will show us how to solve problems that arise. And so here's Solomon. And maybe he just prays this prayer. Father, give me this wisdom. And the Lord inspires him. Bring me a sword, bring me a sword, and, they, and, and bring the child. I will tell you what we'll do: we'll just chop the child in half. We'll slice the child in half. You can have half, and you can have half. But see, Solomon had the wisdom to know a woman's nature. See, a true now, now not American women. You know, most American, a lot of American women, we kill our children. We're unnatural in this land. Go to the animal kingdom. A mother will fight to the death for her child. And here's Solomon. He knows the nature of a woman. He knows the nature of a mother. A true mother will die for their children. Let's cut the child in half. We'll, give, we'll, we'll, we'll divvy him out. And the real mother said, no. 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 She can have him. Don't harm him. And Solomon said, this is the mother. Give it to her. They were amazed at his wisdom. But it wasn't his wisdom. Listen, it wasn't human cleverness. It, wasn't, it, it might not have been that Solomon in his naturalness might not have been smarter than anyone else. But when the wisdom of God comes in, it's the ability to see what God wants. It's the ability to solve difficult things that may seem all tangled up in the natural. And all of a sudden, revelation from God comes and you go, I know what to do. This is what God wants us to do. It's God's revelation. It's wisdom from God. And the scripture says here in the latter part in verse 28, And Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king. And they saw the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Oh, give us wisdom. Give us more than human cleverness. You know, there's people that are very clever. It's called wisdom of man or it's called uh, 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 carnal wisdom, just cleverness. Some people are real clever and they're sneaky and they maybe have a little more intellect and they can this, but it won't advance the kingdom of God. It's not God's wisdom. God's wisdom is supernatural, it's spiritual. Do you know that God can solve any problem with his wisdom? Maybe you're, in a, maybe you're in a struggle, maybe somebody watching online right now is in a struggle and you don't know what to do, God can give His wisdom. He can help us solve our problems. When Stephen, the young man Stephen, in, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 10, he was, they were, there was a, a group from a synagogue, which is believed to be Paul's synagogue, the synagogue of the freedmen. Now, you know, Saul, Paul, Saul uh, originally, he he was a giant intellect. I mean, Saul, I mean, even Peter said in his writings, the the, the things that Paul writes, Peter said, that are hard to understand. You know, Peter was probably just a country boy. He's the Paul writes, and they're, you know, Peter he says, they're hard to understand. Paul in his naturalness was a giant intellect. But yet any man with the wisdom of God could outthink a PhD if you have the wisdom of God. Notice what it says. They were arguing with him. Notice what it says. Chapter 6, verse 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Scholars believe Paul was in that group. Paul was going, I can't mess with this guy. But it wasn't Stephen. It was God's what? A word of wisdom. It was the word of wisdom. Now, the church in the book of Acts, what a great story of the early church. Don't you love the word of God? We get the picture of how the church flourished, how the church grew, how the church spread out over the Roman Empire. But there came a time and this issue came up, this problem, and it was the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews had been steeped in in Judaism, had been steeped in the law had been steeped in, I mean, you know, by the time Jesus came, they had, I mean, there was, you know, in the Old Testament, there's 613 laws. Well, see, by the time Jesus came, not only did they have 613 laws, the Pharisees had added all kind of nuances to all those laws. You may have a law with 20 things that you couldn't do because of that law. It had become so convoluted, it became not the Word of God, it was the traditions of men. Jesus said, "You, you, you violate the Word of God because of the traditions of men. And so now as the church begins to grow, there came a point when these Judaizers went out. Paul had ministered to these. Paul was the apostle to what? To the Gentiles. That's his calling. That was his heart. So he would go out and he would minister to the Gentiles. And they would get saved. And these churches would be formed. And And then these Judaizers would follow Paul into the Gentile churches and start putting a yoke of legalism on them. Oh, Now, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to follow him like we do. You've got to be circumcised, and you've got to follow these laws, and you, you've got to eat these foods, and you, you've, got to have, you've got to celebrate these days. And what it did is nothing but confuse the Gentile churches. It became so heated that in chapter 15, they had a council. They had a meeting. What do we do? What do we do? I mean, the church is about to blow apart at the seams. What do we do? And James, James, the brother of our Lord, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, he speaks. What does he speak? He speaks the wisdom of God. I'll, I'll read it to you. Chapter 15, verse 13. And after this, they, after they had become silent, everyone's talking, all talking, and then all of a sudden, A man with wisdom speaks, but it's not his wisdom. It's Holy Spirit wisdom. James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how that God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as as it is written, After this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it up. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles. Who are called by my name. Says the Lord. Who does all these things. Known to God from eternity. Are all of his works. Therefore I judge. That we should not trouble those who are among the Gentiles. Who are turning to God. But that we write to them. To abstain from things polluted by idols. From sexual immorality. From things strangled and from blood for moses has been for moses had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every sabbath sabbath then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church who notice who sent chosen men of their own company to antioch now antioch one of the great revivals of the world happened in antioch god give us an antioch revival come on amen With Paul and uh, Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. So James, from the wisdom of God, said, "We don't need to put a yoke on these people. They don't have to be circumcised to be saved. They don't have to keep certain days to be saved. They don't have to convert to Judaism to be saved. But 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 notice what he did give them. God wants us Gentiles to live holy, godly lives of righteousness." So he pointed them to what the New Testament says. Not Old Testament rules, but New Testament life and grace. Word of wisdom. You know, God has this available to us. How many times does the church of the Lord Jesus Christ... G- grope along and just muddle along trying to figure things out that if we would get on our face before the Lord and say God pour out your wisdom and let a word of wisdom come we could get a lot, th- a lot more things done more quickly this is the word of wisdom the revelation of wisdom the manifestation of God's wisdom secondly quickly the word of knowledge which is supernatural revelation of divine knowledge it's insight into the mind the divine mind God's mind God's will God's plan And also the plans of others that man could not know of himself. In other words, this is not a knowledge gained by reading or by study. This is knowledge that is revelation again. It's a knowledge that you could not know on your own. Not by study, but it's the revelation of God's knowledge. A portion, a portion of God's all knowledge. How many know God knows everything? He knows everything that's going on. He knows everything that's going on this planet right now all at once. Amazing God. Think about the mind of God. He knows everything that's happening. He knows every thought that the 7 or 8 million folks, 7 million folks are having right now. God knows every thought of man right now. He knows everything that's happening. He knows what every animal is doing. He knows everything. And a word of knowledge Is a portion of that knowledge, a little fragment that you could not know on your own. And all of a sudden, the Lord will give it to you. Let me show you how it worked. For instance, Genesis 1 1 through 25. What is that? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void, darkness over the face of the deep, etc., etc. This happened on this day. This happened on that day. God breathed in the man the breath of life, chapter 2. Where did that come from? Did Moses go, hey, I think, uh, I, I think I'll come up with a good, wild, crazy story of how it all started. Was it clever? Was he, I mean, he's a brilliant man. Had nothing to do with it. Do you understand how important Genesis is to the Bible? The first three chapters would, would amazing what we wouldn't know if we didn't have Genesis. We never would have known how this world was created unless God revealed supernatural knowledge to Moses. Moses, this is how it happened. In the beginning, God created the hell. Elohim created heavens and the earth. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. and all of this, God begins to speak. Plants and animals and, and, and universe comes together. That's a word of knowledge, Supernatural. And Moses, write it down and put it in a book, because in mesquite Texas, they're going to be needing it one day. That's, that's knowledge. Supernatural knowledge. In one Samuel chapter three, we have an incredible story of a little boy that God you know, the Lord can use who He wants to use. An incredible little boy with an incredible mother. Many incredible little boys have incredible mothers and grandmothers. And her name was Hannah. And Hannah was, well, when, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, said a little prayer and a praise in, in, in her, my soul does magnify the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Where do you think she got that? Hannah. God gave that to Hannah first. So apparently, apparently Mary, the mother of Jesus, liked, liked Hannah and loved her prophecy, her prophetic words, her prophetic praise, her prophetic prayer. And there was this little boy that, the Lord, that Hannah said, Lord, if you'll give me a boy, give me a child, I'll dedicate him to you all the days of his life. She kept her word, didn't she? And Samuel becomes one of the greatest men in the history of the world. So holy, so godly was Samuel that at the end of his life, he could stand up before the congregation of Israel and said, if I have taken anyone's gold, if I have taken a bribe, if I have defrauded anyone, if I have cheated anyone, speak now. Nobody could say a thing. Here's a man, listen, here's a man who lived his entire life in public. God give us men like that. Come on. God give us men of God. They're not a bunch of phonies that disgrace the name of Christ. And here's Samuel as a little boy. All of a sudden he hears the voice of God. And the voice of the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel. Eli's calling me. He goes, yes, yes, sir. What, son, I didn't call. Go back and go to sleep. You must have heard wrong. Samuel, Samuel. Eli's calling me. He goes back. Eli had a, still had enough sense. He, he, he had become very hardened, but he had enough sense. This is God speaking to this boy. And go back, son. And the next time, if you hear, if you hear that voice again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak. And he does that. So Samuel went to lay down in his place. And now the Lord came, and he stood, and he called as at other times. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, your servant hears. Notice this. Remember what a word of knowledge is? It's knowledge, supernatural, given something someone could not know in the natural Here's what the Lord says to this little boy. Behold, I will do something in Israel which both ears of every one who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to the end. For I have told him, notice this, I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. So God had dealt with Eli. God had dealt with him and dealt with them. Your sons are committing iniquity. You need to deal with your sons. You need to confront your sons. He never would. And it says, because of his sons, he made, made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering for ever and the boy Samuel and Samuel lay down until morning and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision but Eli you know the story Eli said you tell me please tell me and he said here's the first prophetic word that Samuel had it wasn't oh you're a wonderful person you know, some of these prophecies are not prophecies. You, you do know that, don't you? Some of these prophecies are just silly out of people's head. Read Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, they prophesied of their own heart. You get a word from God, you'll know it. It won't be this silly stuff that we've got going on. The man of God, the little prophet said, here's what the Lord said to you. He's about to judge your house. God's about to judge your house. You have not restrained your sons. They made, they made my name vile. They've caused people to not even want to come to worship because you did you, the sin that you knew, the sin that you would not restrain of your sons, now, God's going to, now God is going to judge you and it's not going to be atoned for for your house forever. What was that? Word of knowledge. A little boy could have never come up with that. He never would have dreamed that. Look in 2 Kings chapter, eight, chapter 6 verse 8. Now, I'm going, to be, I'm going to have to go quick here may skip some of these, but this is an incredible story. The king of Syria was making war with Israel. And he consulted with his servants, verse 8. My camp will be in such and such a place. Now notice verse 9. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. This is right. Don't go that way. King, don't do that. Don't go there. Because when you get down there, the enemy's going to be right there. Go another way. And, and, and this, this kind of knowledge, this supernatural knowledge would happen over and over and over again. And finally the king of Syria would go, there's a snitch among us. What is going on here? This worked every other time. What is going on here? Every time I go here, they're somewhere else. And then I guess, I guess the guy, one of his guys really didn't want to tell him. But finally he said this. Then one of his servants, verse 12, said... No, my lord, none, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Everybody say, word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. Remember I told you that church I went to in Mississippi? That was a word of knowledge that God gave me. Just just something. The Lord says to Joseph, Arise, take the child, take Jesus and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Who of who you in this room tell me who died right now? Anyone? Here it was Herod. How could he have known that? Was he there? No, he wasn't there. The angel says, He's dead. You can go back. And he went back up into Israel. Archelaus was reigning, so he didn't go to Jerusalem. He said, "I'm going to go on up to Nazareth." Nazareth. Hmm. Paul, the apostle, was on. He was on a ship, and he told them, "Listen." I'm paraphrasing here, but I, he probably said, "We would have said it like this." I've been praying. I've been in the presence of the Lord, captain of the ship. I really feel that we don't need to do this. We don't need to take. We don't need to pull anchor and head out. I feel something. Something's not right here. We, we. We. This is not a good thing. And then the the captain thought, "No, I'm on schedule." Some terrible things happened. They were, you know, the story. But then here's what Paul says. <laughs> Verse twenty. One. Men, you should have listened to me. Don't you hate it when somebody says that? Told you so. And you have not sailed from Crete and incurred such disaster and loss. I mean, they're, they're jettying, they're jettying the, all the cargo. Some of them hadn't eaten for 14 days. Didn't I tell you? I mean, we need to listen to people who walk by the Spirit of God. We need to listen to the elders that are in this book right here. They have the wisdom of God. And, and you and your family need to Pray. And listen to the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you. Now how do you know that? I mean, they've been in a hurricane. They're not the shore yet. How did he know that? He said, But only of the ship. Knowledge. He says this, For there stood by me this night an angel of the God of whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, for you must, you must be brought before Caesar. The reason you're not going to die is I still have an assignment. Come on, amen? This is going to sound crazy. But when I fly on planes, I've flown all over the world. And when I fly on a plane, I think, if there's just one person that has something to do for God, we're safe. This thing's not crashing. If there's one person on this plane that has an assignment from God, we're good no matter what. Listen, the reason these people were safe is because Paul had an assignment from God. God, nobody, no matter if it's a hurricane. The Lord was going to keep it up. How did he know this? Word of knowledge. Then he said, here, but but we must run on, we're going to run aground to some island. This is what the Lord showed me. He said, What is that? Word. Word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. I need to end there, don't I? But there's more. <laughs> there's, you know, there's always more, right? Um, Jesus said to a woman at a well, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Well, that's right. You've had five. Now the one you're living with, not your husband. I perceive that you are a prophet of God. <laughs> and this is what she say. Come see a man that told me everything I ever did. God has all the knowledge about us. He can show us. Peter looked at Ananias and said, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part, and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? How is he going to know that? He didn't have access to his checking account. Everybody say, word of knowledge. While it remained, there was, it was your own. Was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived these things in your heart? You have not lied to men. You have lied to God. A prophet named Agabus came... But where the Paul was with other believers, Agabus, he wasn't one of these you know 30% accurate guys. You, you know what I'm saying? Those are not prophecies. So much silliness goes on. And the reason it goes on, because people are so stinking gullible. Agabus was a true prophet of God. He walks in the meeting. And at 21, it says, And he had come, when he had come to us, Agabus, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Everybody say, word of knowledge. Didn't even get to discerning of Spirit. I want you to Stand you just play something uh, just quickly? Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad for the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit? All the wisdom we need. Solve every problem that, we, that he wants to solve. His wisdom is so generous. We, just, we have not because we ask not. And if we ask him for his wisdom... He doesn't upbraid us, but he gives it generously. He gives it liberally. He said, just all I want you to do is believe. Don't be like the, the, the waves of the sea. And but just trust me. Wisdom, supernatural wisdom. You know, there's practical wisdom. Certainly there's practical. You look at the word of God. You know, there's some things I don't need a word of wisdom on. You know, husbands love your wives. Oh, God, I need some wisdom on. No, no, just do it. Right? Be faithful in all things, the Bible says. Lord, should I go to work today? Give me some wisdom on that. Go, yes, go. You know, there's some things that we don't need a supernatural word of wisdom. But when we need one, when, there, when we're up against obstacles, God can give us that wisdom. He can solve any problem. He can solve it. What an awesome... Just, I want you to see the immensity of God. I love that word. J.R. used that word and bored me the other night. The immensity. He's so immense. The immensity of God. Sunday morning we taught out of in our men's group. We have a little small men's group that meets in, for Bible study on Sunday morning. Right now we're meeting in classroom number two. And I just felt drawn to Revelation 4. Revelation 4 is about the throne. Him who sits on the throne. The elders are around the throne. The four living creatures are around the throne. They throw their, you know, it's just amazing. There's there's peals of thunder and lightning. Where? Coming out of the throne, the throne, the throne. And and John is so overwhelmed by it all. He's not just hearing this. Revelation is a vision. He's seeing this. And he's absolutely overwhelmed. Can I tell you something? Something I've learned in my life. I watch people's attitudes when they talk about God, when they worship God. I can always tell. I'm not judging anyone. I can just tell you, I can always tell what they really believe about God because their their attitude's so low toward God, so flippant toward God. And I'll tell you this, when we leave this world and step into heaven, there's going to be no, well, I'm going to go shake the big man upstairs' hand. No, 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 you're going to fall down in terror. You're gonna fall down and worship. Amazing. That's why some of of our modern day worship songs just are so stupid. Forgive me for saying it. This dumb. They have no theology in them. It's just dumb. Why don't we sing this in our church in the nation? Why don't we sing about his holiness? How about his powers, about his greatness, about his immutability, redemption, sanctification, glory, wrath. Dear God, act like we're in spiritual kindergarten. Give me a break. He's immense. He's marvelous. He's great. When, when Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah saw him, he said, Whoa, it's me. He didn't say, Oh, that's God. Let's go play Nintendo. Oh, yeah, I saw him. Yeah, let's go down to Wendy's and let's get surprised. When you see God for who he is, and, and let me tell you this, the most important need of the church today is to rediscover who God is. And I told them, I forgot who I told, someone. Mark Lawrence has a car that has the lane, the lane deal. Now listen, just check right here. I'm about done. I'm going to cut you loose. Mark has a car, that, that the lane thing, where, where that if he drifts over in the lane, it'll beep and it'll bring him back. You know, it's, it's, It has a computer in there. And, and Scott Anderson told me that, that he works on cars and said sometimes he has to reset those. And he told us how he resets it. He said, I'll, 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 I'll dial in the computer. And then he said, I'll, I'll drive down the road. And you have to drive for 10 or 15 minutes or so. And, all, and, and then the computer starts picking up things picking up things, it starts calibrating, picking up, and then all of a sudden it's all synced up. And then it does what it's supposed to do. Do you realize what we need to do? If we'll get synced up, if we'll get get calibrated toward the greatness of God and the awesomeness of God, guess what? Everything's going to sync up. Our marriages will sync up. Our kids will sync up. Missions will sync up. Prayer will sync up right living will sink up. Everything starts sinking up when we get our hearts right and we see God for the fear listen, the fear of the Lord is what the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning. That's the first lesson. And we we start fearing God and worshiping God like he is, everything sinks up. Our lives sink up. We stay in the right lanes. Our hearts are right. The church looks like the church again. We bring glory and honor to God. Isn't he awesome? Come on, lift your hand and just worship him. Come on, lift your hands and just declare his immensity. He's great. See, the heaven of heavens can't, could not contain our God. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. In the city of our God in the mountain of his holiness. What an awesome God you are. God, reveal your nature to us. Reveal your awesomeness to us. God, that you fill heaven, that you fill earth with your glory and your majesty. You set up on your throne. You're the sovereign God of the universe. Your knowledge is complete and whole. Your wisdom is perfect. Oh, what a great God you are. What a great and awesome God you are. Oh, hallelujah to your name. Blessed be your name. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Just another moment. Come on, just worship Him. Just another moment. Bless Him. Honor His name. He's great. He's all love. He's all truth. He's all holiness. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that He is my refuge, my fortress, and my God. In Him will I trust. Awesome you are, God. Oh, Do you not know my greatness? Do you not see my greatness in the Word? I want to reveal my immensity. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Show us your greatness. Exalt your Son. Oh, just declare Jesus is Lord. No man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We declare your Lordship over this church. We declare your Lordship over all that we are, Lord. We declare your Lordship. You are Lord. You are Lord of all. You're not Lord because we make you Lord. We don't make you anything. You are Lord. And we call upon you as our Lord, and we exalt you to the highest place. Glory to God. Oh Jesus, could we just sing just one little song? I, I know you've probably had a long day. What are, what are we playing? Could we sing? What is this? Or are you just playing? Okay, let's play. Let's play the last song that you played in the set list. Stephanie, would you help us, please? Lord, I'm amazed. Yeah, that's it. Lord, I'm amazed. Yes. Lord, I'm amazed by you. And Lord, I'm amazed by you. And Lord. your love. One of these days the seventh seal is going to be opened there's going to be silence in heaven for the space of a half hour and that silence is just going to be the calm before the storm the lamb is the one opening the seals and it's going to open and judgment's going to come on this world Difficult days ahead for this world. As you read the book of Re- the Revelation, you almost see decreation. You, in, in Genesis, you see creation. But you see the whole world just coming apart at the seams. It's a world that's rejected God. I believe at that time, the church will be gone. I believe it with all my heart. But if you're going on that load, you better be right with God with God. You better know Him. It's time that we I'm not saying you aren't, but we more need to think about lost people because the clock's ticking. Our salvation is near now than when we first believed. Let's be about harvesting. Father, today I pray for the strength of your people. We pray for that church that's still in our hearts in Burundi. Oh, God, that you would touch those poor people that don't even have enough money to build a church. They don't have anything but tarps, little wood slats, and yet they're still trying to worship you. You Give them your help, strengthen them. Strengthen us in this work on this hill. You have given us a mandate to put a building on this hill to bring glory to your name. And Lord, I ask that your grace and your supply would be ours. Send us people to help us that you ordained to help us. Lord, I pray that throughout the rest of this week until this coming Lord's Day, that on the minds of your people would just be this awesomeness of their God the immensity and the fear of the Lord would rest deeply upon our hearts. Let it be. Give us the fear of the Lord. Give us the fear of the Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.